What's life after competitive sports like? What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. Today, I'm joined in studio by my friend, Christian Harris. I've known Chris since back around 2012 when he was competing at CrossFit Regionals and coming to my gym every once in a while to train with the guys who I wasn't fit enough to hang with, but I was fit enough to be in the room, or at least I owned enough of the business to be in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We talk about what it was like to travel around the country and the world training for competitive CrossFit and building an apparel line at the time and operating a gym and what it's been like since those days have come to a close after this past year's CrossFit Games and Christian starts heading into a new life. I think you'll find the conversation fascinating. We're going to have to do a part two because we didn't get to talking about family life as much as either one of us would like to. Uh, You know how much I love talking about that. When you enjoy this podcast, head to wherever you're listening. Leave us that five-star rating. Shoot to Christian's Instagram at I am Chris Harris. Thank him for coming on the show, and let's get to it. What's up, Christian Harris? What's up, Dr. Sean? Dude, I'm, I'm stoked to have you in today. I'm excited to be here. It's been a long time. It has. Long it's time. been too Got long. Got a lot to catch up on. I know. Well, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun for people to listen in. For sure. The, the reason I'm, um, outside of our relationship that we had previous to this, the reason I'm most excited to bring you on is because I don't think anybody really talks about what life is like after being a competitive athlete in a sport like CrossFit. And the reason why I'm being specific to that is we know what it's like for a professional athlete at the pro baseball. They make millions of dollars and then it's like, yeah, I kick it. (laughs) I got to do whatever I want. Um, But to be an elite CrossFit athlete, the way that you were for the better part of a decade takes a serious commitment to doing that. And then having yourself set up for something afterwards is probably very uncommon. And I'm curious what life is like for you now. Yeah, I have a lot of extra time on my hands now. I believe it. <laughs> Not so much time in the gym uh, destroying myself every day. Uh, yeah, it's been quite the transition. I'm still trying to figure things out mm-hmm. just in terms of goals and life plans and things like that. So I'm kind of just slowly taking it day by day. But it's interesting, you know, When I got into CrossFit, I got into it just for the love of competing and playing sports my entire life. And through that, I opened a gym, started a clothing brand, started selling online training programs. As a second thought, it wasn't like my lead into it, right? Competing was always my thing. I've always wanted to help people. So I was like, all right, let's open a gym on the way. And... I've always wanted to inspire people and be creative. So it's like, all right, let's start a clothing company. But it's never been like the forefront of my life. Competing has always been that family. And now it's kind of shifting Mm -hmm. to, all right, I'm not competing anymore. So what's next? How can I use my time wisely now to double down on the business side of things? So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, for people, you don't even know this story. I remember CrossFit Games Regionals 2012. Was that your first year at Regionals? First year of Regionals yeah. 2012, yeah. So that's when you were like the, who the fuck is this guy? This big, athletic, not white guy at CrossFit yeah, Regionals. Like, sure. <laughs> which guy are you talking about? Not the white guy. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's, that's what Regionals were yep. at the time. Um, and then a year later, you were... Not even a year later, maybe six months later, you were stopping in at 
CrossFit King of Island Park where we were working out when you and Mike and Logan and Tyler and whatever other monsters would train on Wednesday mornings or Friday mornings, whatever day it was. And I was like, damn, this place is full of absolute savages. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the guy who's like, what are you guys doing over here? (laughs) The good old days. Yeah. The golden days, we'll call it. (laughs) That's right. That's right. When when CrossFit was CrossFit. Yeah. But um, you had a run, man. Like you were right on the cusp of going to the games as an individual every year, it seemed. The year I feel like you were primed to be at the CrossFit Games, your peck just rips off the bone at regionals. Right? Yeah. And that, was, that was the year uh, I think you were... 2017, yeah. Do you think that was your fittest individual year going in, or was it... For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off the Games in 2016 with CrossFit Dynamics, and then just getting into a monster offseason, just really hammering in on a lot of my weaknesses. Went into the Open, had one of my best finishes... And then uh, regionals, yeah, event number two, mm-hmm. Pectare. Dude, you and Along everybody else. a lot of other people. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've had the conversation a bunch of times with people of how that can happen. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Oh, man, I have to go back in time and put myself there because I, I, I made some content about it at the time. So for people who don't know what we're describing at the CrossFit Games Regionals, in 2017, it was a workout. Was it 21-15-9? Very the simple. 21-15-9, dumbbell snatch with a heavier dumbbell and ring dips. Right. So the ring dips, there was a standard on the ring dips that were very difficult, first and foremost, to create in your gym setting. And the standard was this red band that your back was supposed to touch at the top of every dip, which puts you into an odd position where you really, like a gymnast wouldn't find themselves in that position unless they were doing a ring support at the top of the rings. Uh, That was one of the issues. I think that the position people were going into at the top was not ideal from a lever perspective. The other thing is ring dips for time. Speed. Like, dude, nobody is thinking about controlling the eccentric phase of that. And so you go from an exercise that you don't really do all that often for reps. You're doing it more for a hypertrophy training, for a position training, for even some tendon health, to all of a sudden it's like get to the top, drop to the bottom, push back to the top as fast as you possibly can. I think that the deceleration that people had to do over and over and over again, especially under fatigue, was the number one culprit. The number two culprit was probably that we talk about acute acute workload and chronic workload all the time at Active Life with our clients. Acute workload is how much work you've done in the last week to two weeks. Chronic workload is how much work you've done over the last long-term period of time. The way regionals works is you get the workouts in advance and you practice them. So you guys went from never having done this workout to how many times did you do it before regionals? I probably did it about twice. Okay. Maybe three times, got some extra touches on it. And then did you do anything before regionals that was like uh, just drilling pieces of it? Like is there a faster way to do ring dips? Is, was there any of that? Yeah, so you do like the technical aspects of, you know, you throw it into a, a short EMOM, right. shorter reps, but just like trying to groove the, the movement pattern a little bit. So what happened was it was, for a lot of people, it was effectively going from I run here and there to, oh, we're going to race in a hundred meter dash at this event. And I have two weeks to prepare. I need to work on my start. I need to work on when do I pick my head up? 
I need to work on what does top speed feel like? How do I relax there? So you have to put yourselves in all of those situations, which means you're sprinting a lot. And you haven't been sprinting that much leading up to that event. You haven't been doing ring dips leading up to the right. event. And although it doesn't seem like a lot, just the accumulation over time, it's just... It's the, it's the accumulation of reps in a short period of time coupled with the band you have to touch with your back and the speed at which you were doing it. I think all three of those things led to... I mean, it, it felt like, like a whack-a-mole of athletes tearing their pecs at you. It really did. Like, all right, which one was going down this week? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was brutal. I remember phone calls. Who who, who was the, oh, it sucks I'm not remembering his name right now, a guy from, I think he was Canadian, then he ended up working with Invictus. Anyway, um, guy wasn't a client for like six months. He was good. Then that workout comes out, and he calls me from the games, FaceTime. He's like, hey, uh, I'm feeling this thing. Like, dude, you tore your pec. It's like, no. Yeah, you tore your pecs. Think yeah. I can do the workout? I'm like, I don't think it's worth it. Like, your best case scenario, you finish the workout and you don't make the games. So why would you go tear it up more? Yeah, no point. No. And was that your second pec tear or was that your first? That was the second pec tear. So kind of a similar situation earlier at the OC Throwdown. This might have been 2013, 2014. I can't remember the year. But we were doing the combine test, the NFL combine, where you bench 225 as many times as you can in, you know, in one set. Mm-hmm. And I remember testing that workout. I've only, I only tested it once. I tested it maybe a week before, ended up hitting about 20 reps or so. And it was like the third or fourth rep into it. I just felt almost like a cramp kind of feeling. And then the next one I went for, I just felt the bar just coming back down on me. But it was the same thing. It was the speed. I think the adrenaline just, it all came crashing at once. That's that's, that's a uh, apropos term for that event, too. They had a rough three-year stretch between yeah. Kevin Ogre, the bench press thing, and then what they set up like that the year after Kevin Ogre ends up being paralyzed. Not their fault, but th- that was controversial. Yeah. And then the next year they set up like, let's see how high you the guys hurdles. can jump over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Needless to say, I think uh, there's been <laughs> they've gone through the ring over there. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like competing like that? One of the things I never understood, like I I understood, but I, I had trouble empathizing with it because it was never something I was doing. You're you're an adult. You have a family. You have a business. You have to make a living. You're paying to fly around to all of these different events, get in shape for them. Like, it's a full-time job to do that when there isn't anywhere. It's not even part-time pay. And this is before sponsors understood the value of what you could bring to them on a social media platform. Sure. What, yeah. was, that, what was that world like? At the time, uh, I kind of got caught up in the dream of maybe I could win the CrossFit Games or maybe I can come in a placement that's high enough where I could earn some prize money. That's why I would do an OC throwdown or do a Wadapalooza or one of these competitions to try to earn some prize money. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you're absolutely right. At the time, it's kind of silly when you look back at it. Um, Just the amount of time that you spend training, the amount of money that you put on yourself to go to these things, it's, 
It was kind of crazy. <laughs> it, you know, I was in it too. I wasn't, I wasn't blessed with the athleticism or with the desire to work as hard in the gym as you, but I was working with you and with a countless other athletes at the time. So I was in the same world and I was obsessed with it in a different way. And it always, it was always perplexing to me. Like, how do these people do this? I mean, listen, I grew up playing sports my entire life. I was always competitive. I was a competitive little prick. And I think when I finished playing college football, I was looking for that next thing to fill that competitive outlet. And CrossFit 100% was that for me. Um, again, almost to the point where I was blinded by everything else that came with it. All I cared about was my performance and training and things that came along the way. Again, like the gym and the clothing brand, they were all byproducts of me just putting my head down and working, so mm -hmm. to speak. I want to get to that stuff. And before we do, one of the things that strikes me about where CrossFit was when you were in it, let's just pretend CrossFit keeps doing what it's doing for the next hundred years. It's kind of like playing baseball before TV. You know, like yeah. it was like, oh, those guys were also plumbers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, do you ever think about what if I was eight years, nine years, 10 years younger, and I was doing it now where you had unique abilities within the sport to move really heavy weight, really fast, to move fast and lift heavy. Sure. Um, and that stuff is really good for social media. Have you ever thought about like what, what kind of, how would I financially have been in a different position if I was, if I came up five, 10 years later? Yeah. The thought goes through my head every now and again. Um, for the people that aren't familiar with me, if you go back to, if you scroll deep enough on the gram mm -hmm. to 2012, 2013, I was putting videos out there that were very entertaining in my opinion anyway. At least you guys thought there was a, they were entertaining. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, before reels, before like all the cool transitions and the text overlays over the videos and the music and all that kind of stuff. I was doing all that stuff well before mm -hmm. reels were, were very popular. And, you know, my performance was one thing, but I think from a social media standpoint, I feel like that's one of the reasons I was able to catch on with sponsors early on and kind of start to transition from, okay, like looking at myself not only as an athlete but as a business. And I think around maybe that CrossFit, the CrossFit Dynamics years is really when I started to be able to monetize my following and, and all that kind of stuff on social media. So if it was around from the inception, I think it would have built and blow up blew up even more. Mm -hmm. Was it transactional with sponsors? One of the things I always struggled to navigate back then was 2017, I had 40 athletes I was carrying for at the games. None of, I wasn't paying any of them. Um, and I wasn't doing a great job of making sure everybody knew I'm working with these 40 people. And I bet that if we were paying them and they were putting it out, it would have been a different situation. But I always... I struggled at least then with saying like, hey, I want you to give me credit for this. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the proverbial whoever. And I didn't know how else to do it except to be like, hey, show everyone you're doing our programming and tell them how good it's making you feel. 
And so I never really went that route because I was afraid of breaking relationships with people I was working with. What was it like to be an athlete on the other side of sponsorships in that way? Yeah, my mindset with sponsorships and endorsements and partnerships has changed and evolved through the years. Like you said before, you said the word transaction in the beginning for me was very transactional. It's like, all right, we want to work with you. We're going to give you this product. You post about it. And it's, there was real, no real uh, relationship behind it. And over the years, what I've come to learn at learn is relationships are everything. Super important just in terms of happiness and just building a community and just life in general. Relationships are extremely important. And I started to understand the value of developing deeper relationships with my partners. And it just becomes a, a much more fluid two-way street, if you will. Um, I've found that companies that I want to work with, like if I like their product, I'm more willing to have a deeper connection or deeper relationship with that person behind the brand that I'm, that I'm working with. Um, and those are just things that help to build that company. And in turn, they'll help work with you, mm-hmm. whether it's longer contracts or more product or whatever the case may be. Are companies still working with you now that you're not competing anymore? For sure. Which, not that I'm going to say I'm surprised, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure how that was going to be received with some of my sponsors. Um, You know, in in your head as an athlete, you have this notion that you're kind of a NASCAR car, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, you have this brand and this brand kind of slapping their, their stickers on you. And then when you're done competing, you're, at least for me, I had this thought that, are they still going to want to work with me, you know? And lo and behold, I've developed deep enough relationships with these companies that they see the value in what I'm able to bring to the table from a marketing standpoint, from a social media standpoint, and just helping be a part of whatever it is that that company offers. Are you finding that it's... um a different creative lift for you to figure out how to put these products in front of people where prior it was, I'll give an example that's coming to my mind. I'm thinking like if I was an elite CrossFit athlete or any athlete, um, it's easy for me to say, I take this after my workouts because it helps me recover when I'm burying myself into the ground, working out three to five hours a day. And look at me snatching 330 pounds. Now, if I'm working out an hour and a half or two hours or I don't know how long you're working out, I'm, I'm 45 minutes to an hour a day. You might not have that same physiological need or that superhuman trick that you used to be able to do in your back pocket to get For views. Sure. What is that like? Yeah, I mean, the message is still the same. A lot of it is embedding yourself in the message that you're putting out there, right? So... I kind of made a post about this the other day on social media, just in my stories, that there's a lot of information being put out, being put out there by influencers of different products that they may or may not be taking. It may be just an endorsement, and 
they're just putting the message out there, but it's not genuine that they're actually taking it. And I said, you know, these are things that I am genuinely taking. You know, if it's me taking a shot of ketone IQ, it doesn't really taste great. I don't know if you've ever tried it or not. It doesn't taste great, but the mental clarity that I get when I take it is super real and it's true. Um, does it throw you right into ketosis? Is that what it does? I don't know really the science okay. behind it, but I just know this shit works. Okay. Um, I use it when I like go for long runs. It helps me get, get into a better headspace during those runs. Um, and then if I plan on being in front of a computer for a long period of time, like doing programming, things like that, like I just feel like it helps me to really get into the work a little deeper. I'm less apt to look at my phone and that right. kind of stuff. I'll get you some. But... Uh, I kind of forgot where we were going. We're talking about, um, you were saying that you had in your stories that these are products that I really use. And you talked about ketone IQ and that there were influences out there talking about like this, that, or the other thing, Snickers bars. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't, you don't actually use that. Why are you talking? Right. About so it's just practicing what you preach, whether it's, you see me doing my workouts on social media, like everything that I'm putting out there is genuinely what I do. And it's my way of trying to get you as a viewer or as a follower to kind of buy into some of the things that I'm doing that make me feel great. You know, I'm 37 years old now. I feel like I look decent for my age. I oh, feel you like look good. <laughs> I feel like I can perform well from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm in a great headspace mentally. And, you know, these are what this is what works for me. It could work for you. Something that you did a while ago that I thought was so cool and so innovative was the Move Fast Lift Heavy Invitational. What I thought was so cool about it is it wasn't another competition. And it was what I believe all of the athletes who go to these competitions really want. It's like, hey, come do stuff that you're really good at, that people like to watch you do. And do it on display in front of a bunch of people with cool music, cool crowd, cool vendors. What made you want to do that when you started it back in the day? It was, the Move Fast Lift Heavy Invitational was essentially a way to just have a good old fashioned training session with some people that wanted to spectate and, and check it out. So over time, it developed into quite the spectacle. Mm -hmm. You know, you have everybody there, men on the men's side, able to snatch 300 pounds, women able to snatch 200 plus pounds. We had one year where we had Cirque du Soleil performers in there. You got smoke machines, a DJ, <laughs> food, drinks, like the whole bit. And it was a very fun community building exercise. But for the athletes that attended, it was just a no pressure situation. And it's like, all right, come do the things that you're good at, not under a competition setting. We're going to get you a bunch of swag. We're going to help to pay for your travel and just like make it a very low stress situation. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought the, I thought the coolest thing about it was the community vibe. It was like when you go watch athletes at a competition, I, I've competed as an athlete, not in CrossFit, but as an athlete. I don't want to talk to you. Like I, I'm not here to talk to the spectator, and I don't want to 
co-mingle with my competitors. If I see something that you're doing that's making you perform poorly, I'm going to pick at that scab. And that's fun when you're in a, the juices of competition, but it doesn't make you likable. And it's not an environment that's conducive to forming relationships. What you did was said, hey, come out and have fun. People want to watch you guys have fun. And I've just, that was when I started to realize, oh, this guy is, is an artist whose canvas is athletics right now. That was when I first started to realize that about you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. It, it, was, it, was, it was so creative and so distinctly different than everything else when you started running it. How do you tap into that now on a regular basis? Like the, the artistry that I, or am I, I think I'm right. Like deep down, I think that you identify as an artist. hundred um, percent. I mean, my mission statement is I want to create. So you have that right there. I want to inspire and I want to be able to help people. Mm-hmm. And for me, being able to use my platform to do these things is how I fulfill that statement. Um, you know, again, the Move Fast, Let's Heavy Invitational was a way for me to bring people together in a low-stress environment, taking the moments from a high-stress situation like a CrossFit Games, like the warm-up areas where you're next to your fellow competitor warming up before the big moments. It's like taking those little bits and pieces and now trying to put them into what the Invitational is. Mm-hmm. Now, since I'm not competing anymore, I still am trying to do one later this okay. year, so stay tuned for that. I am trying to get out and network more and get into different circles that inspire me. So one that I went to pretty recently is uh, HPLT. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, High performance lifestyle. Yeah. Brian Mazza. Um, You know, I've known him for a few years through social and he's been trying to get me to go to one of those and just through competing and traveling and the way that the game's always lined up or this competition, I've never been able to get to one. But I went to my first one recently. And just being in a room of my peers, of like-minded individuals that, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether they're in athletics or whatever the case may be, these are just people that want to get better and crush life. Like, being in a room of 40 People like that, it's just something that really helps to uplift you. And I want to do more of that, just getting around people that are like-minded and just build more community and um, just share experiences. I share that desire with you. I, I talked to, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine recently. I don't know if you know who Gabrielle Lyon is. Yes. But I reached out to her because I'm going to her event actually this week. And this In is Austin? Wo- yeah. Okay, yeah, she was at the uh, the one that I went to that was in Austin. The one, oh, Brian Mazes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Great lecture. She's yeah. Houston-based now. She's a smart man. Uh, but so there's a woman who's going to be speaking there named Jen Gottlieb. Jen's New York-based. She's really smart. She's like She's got all the freaking rocket fuel of energy that I, I, I'm, I'm attracted to uh, intellectually, right? And... I just texted Gabrielle. I'm like, hey, I want to be friends with this chick. And she connected us on text message like two minutes later. I didn't actually expect her to do that. I should have. That's what she always does. I wasn't thinking when I sent it out. And um, 
And I was like, yeah. She's like, is there something like, what, what, you'll be great friends with her. I'm like, yeah, I just, I crave that like entrepreneurial creative energy of people around me who get like, hey, I'm going to go for this really hard thing that I don't expect most people to understand. And when I say it in a room full of people who are trying to do the same thing, like, dude, yes, right. that, that feels like home. Again, to piggyback off that, more of that, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not the athlete that I once was, right? And, and as I'm starting to get a little bit older, I still want that camaraderie. So these are the things that I'm going to do to find that, right? Just being around these people that are like-minded, going to these seminars, going to these retreats where you can meet with these people and develop these relationships with. So if you did a Move Fast, Lift Heavy, which is the name of your apparel brand, for people who don't know why we keep saying Move Fast, Lift Heavy, it's not because I'm looking to plug it, although please feel free to look at it. <laughs> um, it's because that is you're, you wisely use that name in all kinds of things, and it's a great name. The Move Fast, Lift Heavy Invitational happens again, let's say, October of this year. How is it different for Christian Harris, the post-athlete, than it was Christian Harris, the peak athlete? Yeah. I'm going to be looking to source out talent in different ways. So weightlifting has always been kind of the central component of it, seeing athletes lift the in the snatch and the clean and jerk obnoxiously heavy weights is always something that's awe-inspiring. I kind of want to bring back somewhat of a Cirque du Soleil element to it, but the basis of it is just to find people that are naturally amazing at what they do from a physical standpoint and put that on display. Last time we did break dancers, which was very cool to watch. Just cool. people in the dance element, like, Although maybe they not they might not be the biggest, most physically looking people. It is hard at what they do. It's insanely talented what they do, and the ability to move your body in these ways that most people can't is very cool to watch. How do you find these people and connect with them? Because it's one thing to say, "I like that person," but then you send them a DM on Instagram. Who knows where that? It's kind of that, really. Okay. It's uh, it's cold calling. It's okay. it's uh, old school sales one on one, going and knocking on doors, right. seeing who answers. What do you say? Like, what's the outreach? It's tough. It's it's a it's a funny way to or funny thing to try to sell, right? Like, hey, come out to my event. We're gonna put you on display and X, Y, and Z. But it's just having a conversation with them. For me, if it's somebody that I don't really have a great relationship with, like, for example, one thing that I would love to get one day. So if you're listening and know somebody, let me know. I would love to get like a ballet type of performance in there because to me that is such a beautiful expression of art Mm -hmm. that I just feel like it's not commonplace for everybody to see a ballet performance at such a high level. Um, so if anybody knows a ballet performer, let me know so I can get this person involved with the Invitational. I might have <laughs> you, I might be two degrees of separation from one, which would make you three degrees of separation from one, and I will reach out today to find out. Yeah, I would love that. 
Okay. I'm already starting to plan out some of the, the steps of it. So what is your value proposition to them? Do you tell them like, Hey, we're going to put you, we're going to create content with you. We're going to put you on display. You love being in front of people. We know you love being in front of people. You love performing. Um, come risky for the biscuit in front of a bunch of people you don't know at a fairly small, but really awesome event. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, <laughs> just a conversation of, you know, come do this if you want. I'm not going to put any pressure on it. Don't do anything that you don't feel comfortable with. And let's just have a good time and put on, put on a show. I should come up with something that's a little bit more, you know, concrete or more, or more professional, but that's, uh, that's what it looks like right now. Well, maybe I think that's a, uh, it's interesting to think about what you quote should do because it works what you do already. And I wonder if like, if you created a pitch deck for talent, for example, if I get a DM from someone that's like, Hey, we want you to come speak at our event. The first thing I'm thinking is who is this person? What is this event? Who's the audience? How am I getting there? Am I paying for my own travel? Like all those things, right? Um, <clears throat> if I get a pitch deck emailed to me, I immediately start thinking this is a company. And I just think it just, there's a, there's a, there's a one degree of this is different than the person reaching out. And so I don't know how that affects people when they yeah. receive it. It might be nothing. It might be something. A good person to talk to probably be Santucci. True. Which is funny because that's who I'm looking to maybe partner this up with. That would be cool. So, yeah. So like, is, would he be, I'll let, I'll let you guys figure that out. <laughs> <clears throat> um, how, how is the apparel line doing in terms of your focus and, and, and it becoming a bigger thing for you? Yeah, it's kind of uh, lately been even keel. I've been trying to put a lot of eggs into the online training basket. Okay. So, and the, the business model has changed quite a bit over the years. Um, so right now it's kind of just like stay relevant in the space, right? Continue to put out drops, but not focus too much energy on that where the online training side of things is where really where you can grow and start to make a, a decent living. That's so interesting. I want, I have so many questions that come to mind right away. This is one of those <clears throat> um, grass is greener situations for me. Cause I'm like our white rhino <clears throat> is or white whale, whatever the thing you can't white catch, rhino. the thing you can't catch yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> um, is apparel. I'm like, I just can't figure it out. And I feel like it's the easiest way for people to say, I'm a part of this community. And I feel like when you have brand identity, having apparel that allows people to say, when I put this on, I represent this, is so awesome. And you already have that. And my thought process is, why doesn't he just go ham on that? Because I can't even figure out how to get a fucking t-shirt for retail. <laughs> It's a, it's a fine balance, you know, um, half of it is just the allure, I guess, of the brand and a lot of the designs and the artwork that we put out onto the clothing, I guess is desirable. But for me, I love to do that because that helps to fulfill my creative outlet. I just think a lot of the 
business side of things when it comes to the clothing is it's tough, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out how many SKUs of this, what do you want to print it on? What's the feel of the garment? Like all that kind of stuff gets into, into play. And right now I just rather keep it simple, keep our runs very small, very limited and double down on the other stuff so that when I do have the capital, I can really just fuel and pour gas on that fire. Yeah. It, it sounds like the thing, uh, I don't know if you heard Gary Vaynerchuk talk about the idea that like every great artist should have a great business person as a partner and the business person should say nothing about the art and the art person should say nothing about the business where like, if you're doing apparel, your responsibility is What's the cut feel like? Like, what's the, what, what, how does it sure. drop on the body? What should it feel like in terms of the texture of the, uh, the materials? What are the designs? What is the market? Like, what are we going to say this is about? And then that person is on SKUs, price point, distribution, all of that. 100%. If you had unlimited funds and that situation, do you think you would enjoy it more? I think so. It's an, I believe so. Because I think you're really it, good at I mean, it. I'd be in a different mindset about it. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I was saying earlier is I started the apparel as kind of like just a fundraiser shirt and people liked the design so much that I'm like, all right, let's start a business out of this. But it's not a, it wasn't a real business at the time. It's just, okay, I'm going to design a shirt, throw it up on Shopify and hope people buy it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so now what I'm trying to do is use my time, my resources to build it out, build these things out a little bit more. And the reason, the reason I ask that is just because I think, again, going back to your artistry, I think it's a, <clears throat> it's a really unique gift that you have. And I think that the way you always built out Move Fast, Let's Heavy Apparel, to me was a very pure representation of who you are where I've seen people try to create apparel that's like, oh, I'm going to be like that trend. It's like, no, that's not you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah you're Thank welcome. You. Uh, I'm, I'm always curious about that kind of stuff. Like, do you know who Randall Pitch is? I don't. He owns a company called uh, LiveFit out of California. I've heard of LiveFit, yeah. And so Randall was, when we, the Active Life podcast is basically two different podcasts. It used to be for one audience, which was the end user, uh, like the person who's looking to get out of pain without going to the doctor, missing the gym, who we still serve. But then around 2020, we converted it to be more, or 2021, we converted it more to be for the professional. And now I'm back to, it's for both. Like the Monday episodes, which this will be, are for everybody. And then during the week, I typically talk about values, mission, and, and life. Randall was the first guest of the business series. And he started his apparel company by accident too. He was a personal trainer who just wanted to be able to, like he had been making t-shirts for gangbangers who were going to get killed. It was crazy. Like he knew this guy, like the family isn't going to wear suits to the wedding. They're going to wear shirts with his face and likeness on it. So he was the first guy making them. And that's how he started making money on t-shirts. He was a personal trainer. He wanted to have his people wearing his t-shirts when they were posting on Facebook and stuff. And it just blew up. But it's, he gets to spend most of his time in the artistry of it. Yeah. I mean, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Love stories like that too. Because it could be you. Right. Because <laughs> I, I see like 
one of the things I've been focused on for a while now, especially within our companies, how do we help everybody live within their unique ability 90% of the time, right? So if Christian Harris is an artist, how do we make sure Christian Harris can just show up and be an artist 90% of the time and 10% of the time understand you have to work with other people? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's surrounding yourself with the right people for mm-hmm. the right situations. That's exactly what that is. How do you get to express yourself artistically through program design? What like are you writing programs and then sending them out to the masses? Are you writing one on one, working with athletes as a coach? What is what sure. is that? Yeah, the way that it started was through COVID. I wanted to get into more online coaching or online an, an online presence of fitness. So once COVID hit what I was doing is I started working with this app called Playbook at the time. And I was just taking everything that I was doing and then dumping it into the app. Is that and Don then, Saldino's app? I believe so, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, because he has a bunch of programs on there. And I would do the my workouts that week. And then if you were following the app, you would do them the week after I did it. And I would throw my results in there. I would throw how this workout should feel in there. That's kind of how Train With CH was born. Is that what it's called? Train With CH? Train With CH, yes. And then fast forward, we said, okay, what I'm doing is way too much for most people. (laughs) So how do we dumb that down? So then we did Train With CH 60, 90, and then double session. So... We took what I was doing and took, like, the big picture pieces. So say there was, like, A through F. We took, you know, the back squat, an accessory piece, and then maybe a Metcon, and that was, like, your 60-minute session. Okay. If you had a little bit more time, we put a couple more things in there. That's your 90. And then if you had the time, you do the whole thing. So that was the first stages. Then we're like, okay, how can we reach more people? Well, not everybody has access to a CrossFit gym. Not everybody has access to all this equipment, the ergs, and all that kind of stuff. People have dumbbells and barbells, so Pump With CH was born. So that's more of your traditional bodybuilding type splits. Monday's a push-pull day, Tuesday's a shoulder, Wednesday's a leg, so on and so forth. And then that started to grow. And we're at the point right now that actually... Flip flop. That's that's our bread and butter now. But for me, bodybuilding is a little boring at times, just kind of staying in that monotonous cycle of doing the same splits very regularly. And I need my creativity. So I started developing this program called 365, which is just released uh, at the top of the year, which is kind of like mixing some CrossFit some bodybuilding, I'm dabbling in high rocks a little bit, so putting a little bit of that type of training into it. I've been getting into running a bit more, so I've been, you know, throwing some longer runs into the program. So just, uh, I'd say a more well-rounded program. You know, CrossFit, yes, it encompasses a lot of things, but I don't feel like it's very Mm well-rounded. Like a lot of the movement patterns are very redundant. Which is why... Don't say that around a CrossFit seminar stuff. (laughs) Everything is CrossFit. (laughs) I mean, listen, I love CrossFit. It's it's, uh, birthed a lot of things for me. I still use the 
the methodology. I still mm-hmm. jump into CrossFit workouts all the time, but a lot of it is very redundant. Yeah. Just the movement patterns, the snatching, the upward, the upward pulling, right? Like a lot of that stuff is very, uh, you know, redundant. It's repetitive, <laughs> yeah. So how how is the three sixty program going? So that's going really well so far. But again, it's um, it's what I've been doing lately for my training. So what does that look like? Uh, Mondays, I do a push-pull day, right? So I'm getting some bodybuilding in there. And then I usually hit some sort of hit work or CrossFit-style Metcon to finish that session out. Tuesdays is usually uh, some light accessory work, some speed work on the treadmill, and then maybe like an EMOM. Wednesdays is a long aerobic piece, so 45 to 90 minutes of just like zone two work, whether it's running or on a bike or whatever form of zone two work you like to get in. Thursdays is a leg day and erg work, so kind of working on the lower half of the body, but the ergs, they're not going to leave you sore or anything like that. Friday's another push-pull day. Saturdays hit the legs again and get into more some some more high intensity, high rock style stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Sundays is a easy zone two run. So would you say the ideal client for any one of the three levels is, or any of the programs you're putting out for that matter, is the quasi retired CrossFitter. And when I say quasi retired, what I'm, what I mean is the person who used to go to the CrossFit gym on a regular basis. And they're like, this has become mundane. It used to be unique. And now it feels mundane and repetitive. I don't want to go back to bodybuilding because that's just too slow and too boring. But I need to kind of have some bodybuilding. I want to experience the road work. and Yeah, I think that's exactly what 365 touches. Um, For the person that likes the CrossFit, but not too much. Likes bodybuilding, not too much. Likes to run, but not too much. Mm -hmm. Kind of hits a little bit of everything. And I feel like I have it down to a science in a sense of how much is enough to feel like you're getting the touches on these things without being bored, but still being able to see progress and results. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the program style to me. That's the most attractive. Also from a time perspective, like 90 minutes or under, I need like half of that. <laughs> but that, That's, that's the program for me. That's the most attractive because I also like CrossFit, but I don't want to be a CrossFitter anymore. I want to do some CrossFit. I want to every once in a while be like, I got a muscle burn and a lung burn at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Hundred percent. I, I shrunk my time needed today, <laughs> but um, I also like I'm spending a lot more time now working on tendon health because that's the stuff that starts to break down. Uh, I don't need an Aaron Rodgers situation playing in a 14 over softball league. You know, like that's that's where my energy is mostly spent now. And so doing the stuff you're describing allows me to feel athletic without having to identify as an athlete anymore. Sure. hundred percent. Totally get that. Yeah. Are you finding it a bigger burden to write out all these different programs since it can't just be what Christian did last week? Yes. What was that transition like? Uh, it's pretty challenging for I me. Bet. Um, I forgot. We also have an affiliate program for uh, CrossFit gyms. But if anybody's listening right now is interested in potentially taking on, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) That is interested. You're a coach and you program and you're interested in potentially working on 
a track under our platform, reach out, and uh, we'll talk. What does that mean, working on a track? So the Train With CH track, initially it was born as what I was doing for my CrossFit training. I should, ma- I should maybe make the 365 Train With CH now because that's what I'm doing. Right. Right? Uh, maybe I'll go through, through some name changes, but it was originally that's what I was doing, which I'm no longer doing anymore. I'm doing 365, so I would like to have a coach that is very well-versed in the sport of CrossFit to come in and maybe start to man that program I over see. a bit. Yeah. So I have someone come in and basically take over the responsibility of writing the program design. Yeah, because to be honest, it's the one that takes the most time, mm-hmm. but it only reaches so many. So why have it? I feel like it's just part of my identity in 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 the fitness space but then you're from can i push back on you sure yeah let's be how do i do this um (laughs) it's part of the identity that you once had sure but if you were inspired to do it if it was part of your identity now you would i think you'd be inspired to do it yourself and if it's the one that takes the most work and gets the least bang for the buck don't you run into a situation where someone's going to need to be a paid an amount of money that is commensurate to the amount of work that they're doing. And it's going to be the highest cost per product that you're going to have because it's the one that people are using the least. Yeah. These are, these are good, uh, good points. Look, I I only, (laughs) I only bring that up because I've, I, one of the mistakes that I've made over the years and that I've, I've talked about in this podcast that I will, um, I've dug the hole and I'm now going to dig the steps to climb out of the hole is I was like, Oh, I'm writing these workouts for a lot of people. Let me build a template around shoulder health and then around back health and then around hip health and then around knee health and then around ankle health. Well, now I have to promote that. I have all these programs. Okay, fine. I have programs. Then it was, I do one-on-one coaching. Well, why would I buy your one-on-one if your templates work? Well, they work for some people, but some people need one-on-one. Okay, great. I can now start to parse that out. I also now am coaching coaches because coaches started coming to me and asking for this. And so now, are you looking to get these skills, like get these programs for yourself or monetize these programs for somebody else and build them on your own? Because we can do that. Well, damn, now I got to talk about money. Mm. That's a separate Instagram account. Now, gym owners are asking about it because their coaches are starting to make money, but they're not. We'll teach gym owners too. So now I got template programs, one-on-one program design, coach development, gym owner development, and every one of those is its own business. And so technically they each need a marketing department, a fulfillment department, a customer service department. And it just became so much to manage. So we ended up, we ended up getting rid of the templates. Um, Hindsight, could have done that in a smarter way. Didn't have to just cut that cash off Nine the books. <laughs> I, could, I could have just been like, hey, let's make them more likely to have people use them after they buy them. Um, but now the difficult thing is, how do we talk to the one-on-one client? How do we talk to the coach? How do we talk to the gym owner in as few words as possible so that all of them understand how we serve them? It's a lot to think about. It's quite the conundrum. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you have the same thing because it's I, you. If, if you have this program that gets someone ready for CrossFit and you want 
CrossFitters to want to come and buy it. But if it's not the thing Christian Harris does anymore, we need a voice for that. Once we have a voice for that, that person is that product. That person now has a lot of leverage within the company and a lot of responsibility. And if it doesn't, there's just a lot there. Sure. Just thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting problem. Well, you look at like a, I don't know if you're friendly at all with Ryan Fisher, but you look at what he's doing. I, I don't I've think. I've never met him. Okay. Um, He's shorter than you. <laughs> <laughs> he, like his programs now, I think reflect more of what he's doing, and it's not the CrossFit stuff he used to do. And I, I, I believe financially it's working out for him. But I don't know. I'm not friends with him. I, I, I could connect you on text, but it's all I got. Food for thought. I mean, I'd love to pick his brain for sure. Sure, I'll ask him. I'll, I'll, I'll see what connections can be made there. Cool. What do you like about the program design stuff? That feel that the reason I ask that feels like a maintenance task, where it's like I have to do it again this week. It's the same, it's different, but well, I have to show up and do it. It's part of building the brand for me. It's like you need to be the brand. Mm -hmm. So I used to work with coaches all the time. I would follow, you know, um, I would work with uh, Tino from Invictus or Jay Layden from uh, Conquer and. Although it was nice to have a coach to tell me what to do, at times I was like, uh, like mm -hmm. I would just, I need to do it myself. <laughs> like, I want to do this, you know? And that's kind of like when I knew that I w this is what I want to do. Like, I like to be in control of what I'm doing for fitness. And, you know, shout out to all those coaches and my mentors along the way that helped to give me the tools and the ability to know how to do these things. I think, uh, yeah, I like being in control of my own destiny when it comes to that. Although it can be burdensome at times, I truly enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to the gym, I open the gym because I like to help people. When you first get into opening a gym, you're coaching every class, you're the janitor, you're everything that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And then over time you get staff and things like that. But I've still have never walked away from coaching completely because I love that human interaction and that aspect of helping someone throughout their day, throughout their fitness journey, throughout their life, whatever the case may be. I just love that. And I do it first thing in the morning because I find it's just a great way for me to start my day. What uh, you still coaching group class? Yeah. Okay. Is it a CrossFit gym or is it CrossFit inspired more like a three sixty five? Uh, it's a CrossFit gym. I mean, so our gym is move fast, lift heavy. Right. That's the name of it. We don't really lead with CrossFit. We offer it. We're an affiliate. We're also a high rocks affiliate, right? So we have these things that we offer within our gym, but we don't lead with any one name. I think it helps us in the sense that I want to do CrossFit. All right, we're an affiliate. Mm -hmm. I don't like CrossFit. We're not a CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So it helps us in that sense, I feel, but also just the way that I write the program and the training style, although it is 
CrossFitty. I feel like it does have its own feel to it. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of members over time that have switched from other gyms and they're just very happy when they come into our place and they get to feel and experience what that programming is like. Well, I imagine it's a similar vibe to the apparel brand and to the invitational, you know, it's, it's, it's not, how do I best describe this? In a way it's a party. It's an expressive party. It's like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get fitter. I'm going to be, I'm going to get people around me. Like you were describing with the um, high performance lifestyle brand, Brian Mazza. It's, it's its own mini version of that for these people for an hour a day, instead of being like a retreat for two or three days. For sure. What do you like most about that? Cause that, that's one of those things, gym ownership for people who don't know. That's hard. Owning a gym, owning, running, having staff, like someone doesn't show up for the 6am to coach and you're like, fuck, I gotta go do this now. It's the heat breaks. For sure. Yeah. Surround yourself with a team, right? Like I have a p- business partner, Anthony, we balance each other out very well. And the things that I'm good at and the things that he's good at, we very much balance each other out in that aspect. I'm the morning guy. He's the PM guy, you know, like it just happened to work out that way. But the way we actually started together, he wanted to get out of his gym space. I was being evicted for mine at the time for, for noise. I don't know what that's like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, we just kind of like threw ourselves into the mix, into the fire together. And is this freedom you got kicked out of this was, No, uh, before freedom. Okay. Um, I was in an industrial complex uh, right by, there was a Costco over there. And the landlord put me in next to tech. Perfect. So within two or three weeks, I was getting mm-hmm. banging on my door and, you know, all yep. that kind of stuff. But uh, we merged together. He had his gym. I had my gym that was open for not very long. But, again, we just complemented each other very well. And from there, we moved into our space that we're at now, which we moved into the week of the COVID shutdown. Mm-hmm. Everything was moved in Sunday. That Friday, everything got shut down, and we were like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but it all ended up working out, obviously. And... uh yeah, I think finding a business partner or someone that is on your staff that complements your attributes is uh, super key. Yeah, for sure. Um, if I didn't have an implementer to – basically, I was describing it to my wife the other day. Um, I was like she, – she was asking about, like, what do you do? Like, what's your job? <laughs> and I said, think of it this way. If we were all in covered wagons – my job is to say, we're going to go on the other side of that mountain because on the other side of that mountain, there's fertile soil, there's a beach, and the weather is nicer so we can have an easier way of life. She's like, and? I'm like, that's it. <laughs> that's my job. I need, to, <laughs> I need to continue selling people on the idea that this will be worth it. And then Mary's job who is our chief strategy officer and, and probably our chief operating officer too. Her job is to make sure we have a plan to actually do it. 
Like, okay, if we're going to go that way, we're going to come across these kinds of animals. Do we have a way to fend them off? We need these tools to climb over these kinds of rocks. Do we have these tools? We need this many spare tires. Like, we're probably going to blow a few of our wooden wheels going over this stuff, and we don't want to die on the ridge. I like that. That's a fun exercise. That's, that's <laughs> how our company operates. I'm not even allowed. It's for everybody's benefit. I'm not allowed to share ideas with anybody in the company except her. Because when I share an idea, when I share an idea, it carries a weight to it where some, some, someone in the company will feel like that idea means that what I'm doing isn't good enough. And then somebody will say, I love that idea and just start running with it. Hmm. When we haven't actually determined, <laughs> do we, <laughs> is this a good idea and do we want to do this? And is it because you're not doing a good job? None of those things have even been discussed. So um, the implementer for me is key. It allows me to be my version of an artist without having to be my version of a business person. I love that. Everybody needs them. Yeah, man. I have them in when I'm th now I'm thinking about it in like each of the facets or the branches of move fast. It's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to bring this thing to a nice, comfy wrap, where can people first and foremost find Train with CH or the 365 programming? What platform are you on now? Is it still Playbook? No. We are on Train Heroic now. Okay. So you can find all our training programs there. But everything can be found at movefastliveheavy.com from the clothing to the gym to the online training programs. If you don't follow me, you can follow me out on Instagram at I am Chris Harris, and you'll definitely find all that stuff mm -hmm. on the daily posting all my workouts and things like that on a regular basis, but also on our Instagram at move fast, uh, move fast That sounds like a hard thing to manage to keep everything in one place and that people know where they're supposed to go on a website. It's a good time. You got it down. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything I didn't ask you that you think would be useful for people to know? I think we just about covered it a, a good amount, a good amount. Maybe we could, uh, Come back at another point. Maybe talk about uh, family stuff. Sure. Yeah. I listen. I love talking I know you're about family a father, stuff. So. so let's do that. Let's before you leave today, we'll schedule the. Uh, we'll do two things. One is we'll take a photo because one of the things I always forget to do because I'm I try to be in the moment. I am in the moment. Is take a photo. And be like, hey, look who I hung out with today. <laughs> we podcast and be on the lookout for it. And two is we'll schedule a follow up to come in and talk about family yeah, and cool. life. Life as a man outside of the gym. Love it. Business. Chris Harris. Thanks for Talk coming to on, Sean. Turn pro. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live Podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life RX on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn broke.